Hilchus Kriyashma, Perak Shlishi. In this Perak, the Ram talks about the practical context where in which a person is supposed to say the Shema. Hello, Chalaf. Hakar is a Shema. When a person reads the Shema, morning or evening, he should wash his hands before he says the Shema. Now, in the in the uh, evening, they should be done right before the Shema. In the morning, they should also be done right before the Shema. So, according to the Ramam, apparently, it's not primarily about waking up in the morning that a person has to wash his hands, but rather as a preparation for the Shema, so he should wash his hands as close to saying the Shema as possible. Higiyaz Mankriyas, at the time of saying, saying the Shema arrives, which according to the Rambam is six minutes before sunrise, he can't find any water, so he should not delay the reading of this of the Shema to go to find water, even though he could say the Shema before the ending time, but since he's going to be end, end up reading it after sunrise, and according to the Rambam, it's primarily important to read it uh, before sunrise, that's some, so that you so that you finish reading the Shema and conclude its final brach of Gal Yisrael with the sunrise, you should not delay that, and and even though you will not wash your hands, Ella rather you rather rub your hands with dirt or or with a, or with a rock, or any other uh, thing like that of that nature, and that's considered something which can create friction with your hands. That's considered a washing or a cleaning process, and that's sufficient substitute for uh, for the washing your hands with water in order to say the Shema in its ideal time. You may not recite the Shema in a bathhouse or in a bathroom, even though there's no actual waste material in the bathroom. Nor may a person say the Shema in a cemetery, nor next to an actual corpse. If a person is four Amas away from the corpse uh, or from the gravesite, then one, one, then one may say the Shema. The reason why a person did not say the Shema within four Amis of a grave or of a corpse is because it's considered mocking the, the, the dead who are not able to perform actual mitzvahs. It's for that reason that we tuck our tzitzes into our pants when we go into a cemetery. If someone does read the Shema in a place, we're not allowed to. He has to, he has to read it again in a place where you are allowed to. Halacha Gimel discusses davening, or excuse me, excuse me, saying the Shema in a bathroom or bathhouse that has never been used, and we'll see we're more strict with the bathroom than we are with the bathhouse. Base Akisa Chalashvachon, a brand new bathroom that was prepared but was never used. The Vadayin Lishtamish was never used. Mutli Kreis, you get You're allowed to say Shema uh, opposite it, right in front of it, facing it, even though you're not allowed to say Shema facing uh, feces, but you can say Shema facing a bathroom that was never actually used. You may not say Shema inside the bathroom. A new bathhouse, like a mikvah, for example, you may even uh, say the Shema inside of it if it was never used. If you had two houses, or two structures, one of them was structured to be an outhouse, a bathroom. Then the owner said about the second one, and this. It seems that in a way that we're not sure if he was also designating the, the, the second uh, structure to be another bathroom. So the second one is a doubt. If it, it, was, if it was prepared for that purpose or not. Of course, if the owner is there, you could probably ask him, but he's not here. Because it's possible he, does, he designated it as a bathroom, you're not allowed to say the Shema in it. Because you, you cannot say the Shema inside a bathroom, even if it's brand new. If you did say the Shema in that, in that possibly brand new bathroom, you ought to fulfill obligation. Amar Gamze, if he said the expression also this, they're both considered certainly uh, designated as bathrooms. You may not read the Shema inside them, even though they're brand new. 
It's the outer courtyard of the bathhouse. So think about an entranceway to a mikveh, the first room when you walk in. And that's the place where everyone is still wearing their clothing. So you have three places. You have the outer room where everyone is always clothed. The innermost room with the shower, the mikveh, is where everyone's always not clothed. And the in-between room where people, some people are clothed, some people are not clothed because they get changed over there. So the outermost room where everyone's always clothed, you may read the Shema inside of it. Not only the Shema, anything which is a holy matter, the Hashem's name or words of Torah, also the may not be said in the bathhouse or in the bathroom. If it's said in a, in a non-Hebrew language. Not only is it forbidden to say anything of that nature, even to think words of Torah, but in the, in the bathroom, in the bathhouse, or any other place that's unclean, that, that, that there's um, feces around there, meaning a place which has feces or urine, also it's all forbidden. A person may only think words of Torah and certainly say anything of that nature that is holy in a place that is clean. Therefore, a person should be very cautious in general about thinking or saying words of terror or benching in a place where there's a baby who might have a dirty diaper. Depending on the baby's age, those are things that are more halakhically relevant uh, to be discussed in a different context. Words that are random mundane words. One may say them in the bathroom, even using the Hebrew language, the holy tongue. As well as the references used to express, uh, refer to Hashem, can go in Rachel, the merciful one, the Chan, and gracious one, the Nemo, and faithful one, gates of Ben. Similar things. may be said in the bathroom. But names designated for Hashem, which are the names which may not be erased. Those may not be said in the bathroom, whether it's old or new. Or in an old, used bathhouse. A brand new bathhouse would be okay. If a person is in a situation where he has to prevent someone from doing a prohibition, even in a bathhouse, or in a bathroom, she may do so and tell him, don't do that. Even using the Hebrew tongue, the, 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 the Hebrew expression, and the Hebrew context. So if you see someone in the mikvah on Shabbos, for example, uh, uh, you know, about to do a pro- prohibition, uh, squeezing his hair, for example, you may tell him directly that you can't do that on Shabbos, even using, even using the classic terms, in order to make sure he does not do the prohibition. The feces of a human, the feces of a dog or a pig. In, when they have skins soaking in them, so as part of the process of making skins into leather, they would soak the skins in feces of these two kinds of animals, which would cause it to have a very foul smell. Or any other feces which has a foul smell like these ones do. Also, the Christian, you may not say Shema while standing opposite <coughs> opposite them, facing them. Nor corresponding to the urine of a human being, which also has a foul smell. The urine of an animal, you may face when you say the Shema because it does not have a foul smell, presumably. A child who's not able to eat a olive sized portion of of grain of the five grains of wheat oat spelt barley and rye in the amount of time in the amount of time we take a, uh, an adult to eat three egg sized portions of that kind of grain so the child could eat an olive sized portion of wheat for example uh, but it would take him hours and hours that's not a problem but if he if uh if uh so, so that's 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 okay if the child is is that young if he eats that slow. Uh, you do not need to distance yourself 
Not from his feces nor from his urine because the child is that who's that young. Presumably, his feces and urine do not emit a, uh, a foul odor if his primary nourishment is not grain. Uh, however, once he begins to be able to eat an olive-sized portion of grain in the amount of time it takes an adult to eat three egg-sized portions, then at that point we assume his urine and feces do contain a foul odor and that would pr- prohibit one from reading the Shema uh, in their proximity or facing them. If the feces was as dry as a as a dry clay as earthenware, also because connect even so it's still forbidden to read the Shema facing it. If it was more dry uh, than earthenware, to the point that if you throw it, it would actually crumble. So it was more dry than earthenware. For that, it's considered like dirt. And with the Lucas connect one may dry, read the Shema facing it or within Daladamas of it. And if urine had become absorbed in the ground, so the assumption is regarding the, the feces that once you, it's, it's so dry that if you throw it, it'll crumble, it no longer smells. Of course, if it happens to still smell, then it's still forbidden to read the Shema next to it. Urine became absorbed in the ground. If it was still moist enough, the ground was still moist enough that it would, it would moisten one's hand uh, uh, when it touches that spot, more than it would moisten in a different place. Uh, on the ground also the Chris connect and you may not read the Shema next to it if it's not that moist anymore if it's drier than that then mutter then then um, you're allowed to read the Shema next to it because it's considered absorbed in the ground even if there's a visible mark on the ground still how far must a person dis- distance himself from feces or urine and then only afterwards read the Shema Arba Amis for Amis when do we say that for Amis is sufficient Bizman Shehem Echarev if it's behind him or on the side, not in front. Of him, how you connect the pun of him was in front of him, which may might mean not just in front of him, like directly in front of him, like a beeline, but anywhere within his, within his peripheral vision. Then Mark Mehen said he must distance himself to the point he can no longer see them, which means he must walk in, uh, 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 in front of them. He, he must walk to the point that they're behind him, at least for Amis. Alternatively, he could probably just turn around by about facing now it's behind him more than for Amis. And then afterwards, you may say the Shema, only after that. This all assumes he cannot smell the feces or urine. If he still sell, smells them, it's a problem as long as he cannot, as, 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 until he distances, distances himself far enough that he no longer is able to smell it, as we'll see next halacha. Halacha test. When do we say that it's necessary for him to distance himself for Amis or make sure he cannot see the feces or the urine in his, in his peripheral vision? He was with them together in the same uh, the same house, so to speak, uh, the same level. However, he's a place that's lower than them ten tefachim or higher, but higher than them ten tefachim. So he's considered a different different uh, level of the house, so to speak. They're on like a, some sort of platform. Then Yeshi, or that's for example, it's a shul, and he's sitting in the regular uh, regular seat, and there's a baby with a dirty diaper on the bima. Then he may even sit next to it and read because because there's considered a different rishos. There's a separation between them. But who that's provided? Provided he cannot smell the bad smell. If he smells if he smells smells the bad smell still. It's a problem. If he similarly if he covers a the feces or he covers the urine with a vessel. Even though it's in the same house, they're like the battery, so to speak. Mutter disconnected, he may even read the Shema right next to it again, provided he cannot smell them. 
If there's a glass partition between the person and the feces, then even you can see it through the glass, he may still nevertheless uh, read next to it as long as he cannot smell it. That's considered a valid partition, even though in fact he may actually even be able to see it. Because he's facing it, it's still considered a partition. This is not the case necessarily uh, if, for example, it's something else he may not read the Shema in front of. For example, a woman who's modestly uncovered. But when it comes to the feces, it's, it's considered a valid partition. Now, if a person makes sure to pour a revius of water, which is about three and a half ounces, uh, into or onto urine each time the ur- someone urinates in a certain place. In other words, if it's in a collection of a large pit, then he pours a revius of water each time someone urinates. Then one may read uh, the Shema even next to the, that place because each revius of water neutralizes each uh, function of every time every time a person urinates. If there was some feces in a in a small pit in the ground, then he can use his shoe, stand over covering the pit with your small pit with your shoe, and it covers the pit completely. And they read the Shema because the shoe is considered a separation between you and the feces. That's provided that it's a, deep, it's a deep enough pit that the sandal you're wearing, which covers the pit, is not actually is not actually touching the feces. If it's touching, it's a problem. That's why a person must be very careful not to step in dog dew, because if there's dog dew on a person's shoe, he may not say shema, he may not daven. If there's a small amount of tzay in front of the person, it's very small, it can be keep like a small drop. Uh, and he can spit on it a, th- a thick spittle to the point that it's, get, get, it's covered completely in spit and then he can read the Shema spit's considered a covering if there was a residue of feces on a person's flesh his hands are dirty because he cleaned himself in the washroom there was no toilet paper back then but there was no uh, actual smell because of the small amount Oh, you have shoes and it's dryness, meaning there's just, just a stain, no actual, no actual feces uh, content, no, a- no actual residue. And because of the small amount, the fact there's no actual residue, there was no foul smell either. With the Likrais, you may, you may read the Shema, because there is no bad smell. However, if that small amount of feces was in its natural location, the, op- the opening of the body, even though it's not seen theoretically when he would be standing. Since he nevertheless can be seen when he's sitting down, theoretically, if he wasn't wearing anything, also he's forbidden to read the Shema until he cleans himself thoroughly. Because the feces in that location is naturally moist and it has a foul smell. Some of the Ga'inim, which means the people who were in the times of the Ramam before the Rambam. But after the closing era of the Gemara, so after Ravashi, or after Ravashi's son, uh, uh, many of these Goyim instructed, that person may not read the Shema if his hands were dirty, even if they're not soiled from, from feces, but in general there's just, just dirty hands from uh, his labor, or eating, whatever. It's been to read the Shema that way because it's not appropriate. It is fitting to follow that teaching. A bad smell that has a source. So example, for example, there's feces on the ground. There's a bad smell coming from them. He has to distance himself four amas, at least four amas from it, uh, or even more if he's facing in front of it. 
but at least four amas for sure, and then he can only then may read the Shema, as we said earlier, if the smell stopped. If the smell does not stop, even though he's four amas away, then he must keep going until he's far enough, to, he's in a place where there's no longer a smell. If the smell has no source, no substantive source, like for example, someone flashitates, passes gas, then at that point, it's sufficient just to make sure you're any distance uh, far enough not to have the bad smell, regardless of whether you're four amas from the original source. A chamber pot, an old fashioned toilet, a pot that was used to uh, go to the bathroom in. Sitting down, or a pot that was used to urinate in, the urinal. Also, the question is, one may not read the Shema facing them or near them, uh, the, uh, within four amas of them, or facing them from any distance, even even though they're completely empty or even clean, and have no bad smell. They're like a bathroom, and therefore it's forbidden to read the Shema within their four amas. If there is uh, feces that's on the move, passing by, so to speak. For example, it's floating by on the water. Also, the Kiskinegda, you may not read the Shema facing it. For the same obvious reasons as we said earlier. The mouth of a pig, it's always like a moving feces because a pig is always rummaging around in the uh, excrement. And a person may not read the Shema again facing it or near it. Unless he has moved away for Amas. Apparently, the Amas holds that even though, generally speaking, that you have to be at least four Amas away from feces, but if you're facing it, four Amas is not sufficient. You can never read the Shema if you're facing feces. You always have to be, they always must be at least four Amas away. And behind you, when it comes to feces that's naturally moving, like on the like floating on the water, it's okay if you're facing it as long as it's, as long as it's at least four Amas away. A person saying the Shema while he's walking, for example, then he comes to a place with his feces. He shouldn't just keep reading by, and, and put his hand over his mouth. He should stop reading the Shema until he passes that place and he can keep reading the Shema again when he's four amas away from the feces. Someone's reading the Shema and he passes gas. He should stop reading the Shema until the smell subsides. And then continue reading the Shema. Similarly, when it comes to divitator, what if his friend passes gas and he must also stop for the Shema? But nevertheless, any person with divitator, when it comes to studying Terry, does not have to interrupt him, interrupt his studies. Someone bringing Shema in the house, he's not sure if the house suddenly he gets it, he's, he's doubtful suddenly if there is feces or urine in the house. He may read the Shema there. He has a right to assume that it's not there by assumption. That normally it's not something usually found in the home. And nowadays, where kids are running around, children running around with dirty diapers in the home, then this may not apply. But in any event, the Ram is saying that, uh, that, that, that one may rely on the fact that there's no actual feces or urine in the house in the times of the Rambam. If he's reading in a garbage dump or near a garbage dump, the topic has now a doubt if there's, if there's feces there or not. He may not read the Shema until he inspects to make sure it's not there. Because garbage is a place with presumably you know dirty things and feces, and therefore, yeah, it's uh, guilty till proven innocent, so to speak. Alva's fake life is not sure if in the garbage dump there's urine. Even a garbage dump with liquids, one may read over there even before inspecting. The leniency for urine over 
feces is because the prohibition of saying saying the Shema or ter- learning Torah near feces is biblical. Whereas when it comes to urine, the prohibition is only rabbinic, unless it's being expelled from the body at that moment. Just like a person may not read the Shema facing or near feces or urine until he distances himself at least for Amis, it's also forbidden to read the Shema facing nakedness until he turns his face away. Now, presumably, that's only facing. If it's behind the person, even if it's just one arm away, it's probably okay. Even if a non Jew or a child, the Eucharist connect their vessel and may not read it. Facing their nakedness, even if there's a interruption of glass, since you can see through it, since he ultimately sees it, also because he's not allowed to read the Shema until he turns his face away. Any place in the body of a woman is considered an erva. The Amman presumably is referring to any place that's normally covered. He may not look at the body of a woman while he's reading the Shema, even his own wife. And therefore, if there is one tefach of the body of the uh, of the woman uncovered, it's no, that's, no, that's, that is no, that's normally covered, <coughs> he may not read the Shema facing her. Halachi Yitzayin. Halachi Yitzayin. K'shem shu also connected to Ervas Achenim. Just like he's allowed, he's forbidden to read the Shema facing someone else's nakedness. K'ach also is connected to He may not read the Shema facing his own nakedness. Therefore, he might read the Shema when he's naked until he covers his nakedness. If he was uh, uh, covered, if he was uh, girded, so to speak, with a garment or a leather or a garment of leather or, or any kind of material of, of sackcloth on his loins, he's wearing some, some kind of underwear, although the rest of his body is naked. He may read the Shema because his nakedness is covered. That's provided that he's, his feet, if he's sitting, let's say, um, uh, Indian style, he may not have his ankles touching his nakedness. What if he's sleeping covered by a blanket or, or a, a, a garment and he's naked, he's just covered by the garment? So his nakedness does see, his genitalia can see his heart, so to speak, which is the definition of the nakedness over here. Then he should uh, bring the garment down so that his chest is uncovered, but the rest of him is covered, and that's considered a separation between his, between his heart and his nakedness. And he can say the Shema. He shouldn't just simply um, uh, uh, bring the, gar- the, the, the talus below his head and, and uh, cover himself from the neck down. Because again, if that in that case his heart sees his nakedness, that's a problem. It's like, it's like he's reading the Shema, saying the Shema without any kind of underwear at all, any kind of loin covering. This is part of the idea of wearing a garter, the idea of separating, making extra, extra, extra emphasize the separation of the heart and the lower organs. Two people who are lying together, uh, sleeping together naked under one sheet. Each one of them is forbidden to read the Shema. Even though each one of them can use the sheet to to, uh, to separate his heart from his erva, so to cover himself below his heart. Unless there's also the sheet separating them in a manner that they're... Uh, um, to ensure as well that there is no touching between the two bodies from the waist downward. If a person is sleeping with his own wife, 
or his sons or his or, or, or his uh, his daughters who are still minors. His body is like their body. It's not considered anything which is going to arouse him or stimulate him inappropriately. And therefore, he's not interested. It doesn't, uh, doesn't arouse him. Therefore, even if his flesh is touching them, therefore, he can just turn away, even though the back of his body might be touching them. It's still not a problem. And then, make sure that he is, his, 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 the sheet is covering himself from the heart downwards, or, or below his, from, from below his heart downwards, and read the Shema. Now, what's the definition of a minor in this context? Until when are they considered minors in this context? How young must they be? Until the male is 12 years old, until a female is 11 years old. So one year before Bar Bas Mitzvah. Once they turn... Uh, a boy turns 12 or a girl, or a girl turns 11 that's considered ready an adult in this context it's only a problem when they get that old if they already have physical maturity bosom fashioned and hair growing and then he may not read the Shema unless he makes sure to separate his talus between them because they're considered adults and they're already 11 or 12. If they were not physically mature yet, they did not reach puberty, then he's allowed to read the Shema even though they're touching. He does not have to separate between them, even though they're already 11 and 12. Unless the boy is already 13, and the girl is already 12 years old, then in that case he must separate himself by default, regardless of the physical mature state.